All right. So that'll give you kind of take a breather. Um, so we're starting this two-part series about Jonah. Um, and I'm sure you've heard Jonah in the well. You're like, well, that's a, that's a kid's story. They've already lost me. Like, there's this guy that's all by a well. Not sure exactly about that or not. Um, but my prayer today, I've titled the sermon, is all about faith. It's all about faith. And so my prayer for you today is that you hear from the Word of God, and today our faith, it grows a little bit more. And we see throughout the Bible of individuals that take a step of faith, just like the Indians are doing in their life. And sometimes we see people that don't want to take a step of faith, or we see people that do take a step of faith and then stumble later in their lives. And one of those is Jonah. Jonah being a prophet, everything was going great. He was really well known for his faith. And his father was really well known. And then God asked him to do something that's way out of his comfort zone. And Jonah stumbles, just as we all do in our faith. And so what I want to do is take a moment, I want to pray, and I want to read a couple of sections of Jonah, and we're going to go back through that. Come the Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, as your word is a sharp as a two-edged sword, Lord, I pray it penetrates our heart. Lord, I pray that you speak into the hearts of every single person here exactly what they need to hear, or do you would use my weakness and my inability to preach your word, to teach your word, Lord, you use my weakness for your glory. And your, your name would be well known above all names. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So if you have a hard time finding Jonah, if you have your Bible, it's right after Obadiah. And Jonah's only like two pages, so it's like one of the hardest books for you to find in the Bible. And so it's actually uh, page 774 of Bible in my Bible, so that might get you a little bit closer. If you don't have your Bible with you today, it'll be, the verses will be up uh, on the screen. I always think like Jonah's going to be like 20 pages because we talk about it and teach it to the church so much. But then you turn to it, like only, it's only two pages, but there's so much in there. So if you would follow along with me, I'm going to read verse 1 through 6 and then 12 through 17. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. The great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord, Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean you're a sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Skipping down to verse 12. Jonah said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. 
Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous, tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood for you. O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Job and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And when you hear that, all of that was said, you may have focused on, okay, there's this big fish that swallowed the guy, and he was in the belly of the fish for three days. And if you're maybe new or have been around church for a while, that may, to you, may say, that's just way out there. I'm not sure if I believe that or not. One thing when I think of that, I think, you know, God spoke and all that we know left into existence. And for us to believe that he couldn't appoint a fish, a large fish, to swallow some, someone is... Seems logical to me. But if you're a skeptic here today about that, I just pray that God speaks into your heart about faith, the main message of what we're hearing, seeing here in Jonah. So that's my prayer for you today. So we're going to play this game. It's called Faith or No Faith. And so when we go through this, I'm going to call out, does, it, does this take faith or does it take no faith? It's okay. You can be quiet, you can raise your hand, faith or no faith, or you can call out faith or no faith. So the first question I have for you today is, does it take faith or no faith to hear from God? Faith. 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 Faith to hear from God. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing the word of God as well. Our faith can grow as we are more and hear from the Word of God. We're in the Word of God. We're reading the Word of God. And so let's get into the Word of God as God's promises that our faith will grow as we hear from the Word of God. So verse 1, we see, it says, Now that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Our God is the God that likes to speak. We see that in Genesis chapter 1 where God spoke and things came to existence. In Genesis chapter 1 it says, let there be a whole bunch of statements. Let there be light. Let there be humans created in God's image. Let there be the stars and the universe. So God is a God that speaks. Let there be. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, and then the beginning of, we talk about Jesus, the Messiah, the New Testament, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word is God, was God. So God is the God that likes to speak. Did you know that God still speaks to us today? 
we just went through an Experiencing God series back in the beginning of the year. We talked about how reading the Bible, that God, this is God's spoken word, how God talks to us through prayer, through other people, through the church, through the Holy Spirit, and God can speak to us. Also in the Old Testament, that God spoke through prophets. Jonah was the earliest of the prophets. He was a Hebrew, that means the lineage of Abraham. He was a Hebrew prophet at the time, and really well known. So God speaks to Jonah. He says, arise and go to Nineveh. And to Jonah, that must have been a complete shocker. He was comfortable, everyone liked him, everything was going well, he was really well known as a prophet, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God says, go and speak to and preach to a people that you hate and all of the Hebrews hate. They despise. So now I see why Jonah ran away. He got up, he arose, but he didn't go to Nineveh, he went to the opposite of where God was telling him to do. And Jonah had all rights to not to want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian <coughs> Empire at the time. They were the arch enemy of the Hebrews. They would kill and murder Hebrews and anyone in their way. Extremely barbaric in all that they did. It was a very difficult task for Jonah to think about going to Nineveh. Nineveh, they say, was a three-day walk from one end to the other. This was a very large city. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Had to be tons of people. They hated the Hebrews. The Hebrews hated them. And for God to say, go in the middle of this extremely large city and, and preach that, hey, you're doing all kinds of evil things. You need to repent and turn to God. He's probably thinking, I'm going to be humiliated, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be murdered. All these bad things are going to happen to me if I go there. Plus, I hate them. I don't want God to bless them. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. It's said that the communities that the Assyrians were going into, that they were going to conquer them, really bad things would happen. Some of the communities would commit suicide just knowing that the Assyrian army was coming. There are lots of bad things that we won't talk about here. But one of them that was disturbing to me was that they would take the men, they would skin them alive, bury them in the sand with only their neck showing, drive a stake through their tongue so they would go in the sand. They also, make can listen to Justin Bieber music in here, too. <laughs> Terrible. But these are the things that the Assyrians would do. So, Jonah, thinking, man, this is what they have done to my people. I do not want to go into this location to preach the word of God. Second question Does it take faith? Or no faith 
for Jesus to be your Lord. Stay. Stay. Luke chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus said this. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do what I tell you to do. You see, we believe we know what is best in our lives, in our walk with God. We are prideful. We believe we know what is best. Just like Jonah. So to prove this, I'm going to exercise chocolate versus vanilla. Who here likes chocolate over vanilla? Chocolate people. Alright, All right, that's good. What about vanilla? And it's about split, split down the middle. Chocolate. No, they even raise their hands twice. Oh, no, raise your hands twice. I want to pick strawberry. I like strawberry. This goes to show, like we feel like we know what is best. We have opinions about everything in our lives. It's no different with Jonah. We know what is best. I remember when we, before we lived, moved here, we lived in Lebanon, Missouri, and I had always wanted cows. I grew up on a farm, and finally were able to get some property, and wanted some beef cows, and raising them. And so finally, I'm doing work, and putting up fencing, and doing all these things, and, and I rented a trailer, a our trailer, and went to the cell barn, and got some cows, and brought them home, and my dad, you know, being a farmer, was talking to him, and he says, you know, you should build a corral and keep them in the corral for a couple weeks, let them get acclimated to the area. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's too expensive. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. So I let the, we get the cows and come home. I let them out. And sure enough, like two of them ran through the fence. And I'm yelling at Amanda. She didn't know. She didn't go up the farm. I'm like, stop the cows. She gets behind and starts yelling like, you know, it runs the other two through the fence. I'm like, no, don't do that. Well, I've got, literally have cows running into town, like running down one of the main roads in town. It was the most stressful couple weeks I've ever had in my life. But I felt like I knew, like, I'm not listening to this anymore. I know what's better. Like, I, this isn't going to be fun. Isn't that the way we are with God sometimes? We know what God wants us to do, but we sometimes feel like we know what's best. I'm going to read verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. I can't say that word to me. Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Jopa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fee and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish to wait for the presence of the Lord. It's actually a pretty funny word to say, Tarshish. If there's a fun word to say, that would be it, Tarshish. You can go ahead and try it. Tarshish. Tarshish. I don't know. So the interesting thing about Tarshish is that Tarshish was considered kind of the end of the world. This is like the farthest away that you could go. And so Jonah, God says, go. He gets up, and he goes the complete opposite way of Nineveh. 
gets on a ship going the opposite way to a place called Tarsus that I can't pronounce. It goes there. It's the farthest away, the end of the world, way that he could be away from God. So does it take faith or no faith to get on the wrong ship? That's a tricky question. That's a tricky question. You see, when God speaks to us, we can always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction. When it comes to God, I, just to be honest with you, sometimes I reason my way out of what I feel like God is telling me to do. Like, I'm a lot like Jonah. And honestly, just to be truthful, a lot of times I know it's coming from God when I resist it. But my first reaction is like, eh, I'm going to reason my way out of this. If it feels natural and easy, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I better wait up. I don't know if that's God. Because a lot of times it's like, I don't want to do that. Maybe just, maybe later. Maybe not right now. Or is like, really, God really telling me to do that? Like, I see that person struggling. And they try to jumpstart their car. Like, I feel like God's telling me to stop and help them out. They tell them about the goodness of God. Like, eh, okay, I'm, really, I'm, I'm running late anyway. It's kind of the excuses that I make in my mind. A lot of times I know that's from God because I'm just like Jonah in a lot of regards. But sometimes when we wait, and we push it off. I read this and somebody had said that delayed obedience is actually disobedience. That delayed obedience is actually disobedience. And I'm not saying anything about parenting because we've raised four kids. We know how hard it is to raise little ones. So I'm definitely not judging here. But you see parents that are like, don't do that, don't do that. You're going to get time out. You're going to get time out. You say it like a thousand times and nothing ever happens. And finally, after like a millionth time of a warning, then you, the kid finally does it. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. Someone once said, and it was kind of a, I took it to his personal one and I thought, oh man, it really hurt me. He said that your maturity in God can be measured by the distance from when God tells you to do something versus when you actually do it. That your maturity can be measured by that. So I was like, oh, that really hurts. That really hurts. Next question, does it take faith or no faith to sleep on a boat during a storm? It, no, you've been a baby, so you might have been able to experience with that, right? I'm sure. Yeah. So does it take faith or no faith to sleep on a boat during a storm? It takes faith. And it's interesting. We see that Jonah is asleep. The captain comes down. He's like, dude, why are you asleep? You need to be up praying that this boat is about to split in half. We have dumped every bit of cargo that we have on this boat, and we're trying, we're praying to all of our gods, what are you doing down here asleep? And when I began to look at that verse and pray over that verse, it was reminding me when Jesus was on a boat with his disciples, they were going across the lake, there was a storm, and Jesus was like sound asleep. And the disciples wake him up, and they're like, hey, we're about to die here. And Jesus says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And I wondered about that contrast between 
Jonah, he's sound asleep, the storm's going on. And then Jesus. Is there a correlation? Like, what is going on there? And, and I wonder if it's because that Jonah was so far away from God that he was able to sleep, or Jesus was so close to his heavenly Father that he was able to sleep. And that we can run so far away from God that God's not even in our lives and He has no influence over us and we don't have to obey or do anything and we can sleep soundly. We can sleep quietly. But God has nothing over me anymore. I'm so far away. We can also sleep silently and quietly and peacefully being close to God. I'm putting our faith in Him. Also, running from God to make us tired. To make us tired spiritually. When I was reading this, I thought, man, what an impact it has on others when we run from God. In a very negative way. Think of the mariners on the ship. Like, Jonah's disobedience to God was having a major impact on them. They're about to die. The people of Nineveh, who have no hope, no hope of knowing about God, no hope of knowing that, that God's love and kindness is about to run out on them. That wrath is about to come. He's patient with them, but he's calling them to himself. And the only person to do that is Jonah. What a negative impact that it has on the people that were created in God's image, that he loves, that he wants them to repent and turn to him. The impact that it's having on them because of Jonah's inability to do what the Father asked him to do. Our decisions and our actions impact people sometimes in a negative way. Next question is, does it take faith or no faith to trust God when something bad happens? When something bad happens. It's a lot of faith, right? Now imagine Jonah. Worst case scenario possible. You're in the middle of a storm in the ocean. The guys are going to pick you up and throw you into the ocean. And that's the worst case. Then it gets worse. It gets well by a fish. Like, how bad is that? I remember on a man and I's honeymoon, we went to the Bahamas, and we took this double-seated kayak in Dead Man's Cove. And the water was like real clear and shallow, and all of a sudden it just drops off. Like, it's just black. It's just deep. And then there's like this deadly like rock. You go around and all the ships are crash. And I swear that there was a great white shark underneath. Like we were like a lure on the water, and it's just out. And I hear the jaws of the you know. I was so scared. That would be my worst scenario. Like the worst thing could happen to you, like get dropped off in the middle of the ocean, just worried about if there's a shark underneath there. But yeah, it takes it takes faith. But what happened was the worst scenario. The worst thing that could happen was the best thing that could happen for Jonah. It was the best thing that could happen for the mariners. Because the seas calmed and 
Everything was okay for them. It was the best thing that could happen for Nineveh. Was for the worst thing to happen to Jonah. You see, he begins to regain his faith. He begins to regain his purpose while he's in the belly of the well. We see in Jonah's prayer in chapter 2, I'm just going to read the last part of that. Verse 7 through 10. This is Jonah's prayer. It says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. It's amazing it took that much to remember the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So Jonah, in his prayer, he gives thanks to God. He surrendered again to serve God. And then God came through. Maybe you today, maybe you feel hopeless. Financially, in marriage, relationships. Maybe you feel hopeless emotionally. Maybe you feel hopeless in your parenting, your job. Maybe your relationship with God. God wants you to remember Him. To give Him thanks in all circumstances. It may be the worst thing that you're going through, but it may be the best thing. Because God's saying, come to me, put your faith in me, trust in me, follow me, make me Lord of your life, and I will make straight your paths. You see, God loves you. He loves the people of Nineveh. He loves the people that are like Nineveh today. They're created in His image. He wants them to repent, to turn to the only one that can save that is His Son, Jesus. And even if we're running from God, He's still with us. He's still with you. Do you believe that today, church? Yes. God is with you. I want to do something a little bit different today. Um, I just want us to bow our heads where we are. And we're just going to pray. Let's just pray to God. If there's something that God's telling you to do, I would just ask the Lord to say, I want to do this. I know me personally, Pastor Gene, I, I want to come back to God to be faithful. The one thing that marveled Jesus on earth was a few people's faith. Their faith to just believe in Jesus and all that he can do to make him Lord of their lives. I want that type of faith. Lord, forgive us for not obeying you, for making excuses, for thinking that we know best, for finding a ship sailing in the wrong direction. And Lord, we know that you know that we want it our way, that we are prideful. 
That sometimes we're faithful and sometimes we're not. And we give you thanks for Jesus. We give you thanks for the gospel. That even in those times of failing, that you're still with us. That our standing with you is not based upon ourselves. It's based upon the work of Jesus. That you didn't send another prophet. You sent your son Jesus. To fulfill the law. To die on a cross. For people, just like the people of Nineveh, who were sinful, who needed a way to be told, to repent, to change their mind about God and what they were doing, and to turn to the faith in Jesus. And just as Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days, and Jesus, he died, and he was in the grave for three days, simply because of the love that you have for this world. Pray, Father, that you would help us to put our faith and trust in your Son, Jesus, alone. That we would hear your voice. That we would have faith that marvels even Jesus. But we can't do that on our own. I pray that you would work that within us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the faith that we have that saves us. It is not by works that no one may boast. It's by our faith alone in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that. And all God's people said, Amen.